welcome to the More Grounding, Less Grinding podcast. I am Adriana Correa, your host, and in this brave space, we will meet weekly to talk about spiritual tools, rituals, and things you can do in your daily life to add more connection, to bring more joy, and to feel more at peace with yourself. I am an empowerment coach, a Reiki master, and a spiritista. So I can bring all of these knowledges and tools and put together a guide for you on this journey of self-love, self-compassion, and self-care. Join me. Welcome to another episode. I'm Adriana Correa, your host. And today is episode 22, the sacred feminine. And at the time of this um, episode going live, we are celebrating in the Imagine Sacred Chalkish calendar, the born of the human of corn. And I have a really uh, cool story that I want to guide you through. Um, I, I, to me, it's really interesting um, by, by learning more about this culture and then uh, diving into other uh, cultures, how the similarities uh, similarities that uh, they all have, that these cultures have, that original pueblos or original um, peoples uh, have things that come together. But first, let me start by sharing this really cool article that I was reading. And it all started uh, Saturday night, you know, after the holidays in the United States. You know, I was just chilling there and I was looking for a movie to watch. And I just, I use really my human design to decide even what movies to watch, what re uh, books to read. Because I'm a very impressionable human. And so I have to be mindful of what I absorb. And I also call to you guys to put that intention of whatever that it is that you're consuming, that it be from the highest good, be it uh, water, be it food, be it the information that is coming to you. So with that in mind, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and just checking different titles and nothing really appealed to me. But there was one movie that I stopped at and I read the, uh, the little blurb that they have about it. And it was called The Lost City of Z like zebra and it, it spiked my attention but not enough to watch the movie but the way my brain works is like if I find a movie that is interesting but not to watch I will google it I will google the movie I will google the reviews I will google the actors and just do a little bit more research before I commit to the two hours that I'm going to be spending watching this movie and this movie centers around uh, Colonel Fawcett. He was a British, an English man that in 1925 went to the Amazonian forest. And that's why it picked my attention because I was like, ooh, Amazon. Ooh, yeah. What are they going to talk about? And this guy had a lot of experience. He had gone to the Amazon. He had gone in-depth, created maps, um, created um, his thing was cartography and he created ways to find out what this big area of the amazons were and he was very almost like obsessed with finding a lost city in a similar way that uh, the conquistadors found in south america with the inca culture and uh, the beautiful constructions are in, in Central America with the Mayan pyramids. And so this guy was on set for most of his life that there, there had to be 
big city in uh, in the Amazons, right? In the in the in the forest, in the Mato Grasso, which is the thick bush forest in uh, in Brazil. And so, the movie didn't have great reviews. I'm like, nah, I don't want to watch it. But in my research, I found this cool article title under the name of the movie it's called the lost city of z a quest to uncover the search of the amazons uh, by david grant and it was published on september 12 2005 in the magazine the new yorker and this was like a lengthy article it took me almost like two two hours and a half to read it but he transported me to I know in a better way that the movie never could have done it because a lot of these movies are done from the Eurocentric point of view that not all their cultures can exist without the European um, influence, right? So I didn't want to be confused by, by that. And so I started reading this article and through it, I find this connection of the people, a specific tribe that was celebrating their uh, the feast of the corn and being today the celebration of the Magians uh, and uh, the, the, the birth of the human of corn, it just, it all made sense to me in my brain. So I want to share with you uh, my, my takeaways from this, uh, um, from this article, which pretty much encompasses stories from the diaries that Cornel Fawcett wrote before his trip, letters and messages that he sent, viewpoints from his family, contemporaries, but he also has the connection of modern day, uh, what's going on in the area, like the, uh, the author of the article went on his own exploration trying to find out what had happened. And he points at different things, uh, one of them being the Baikari Stripe, which was the very last Brazilian government post before you get into the thick of the jungle. And the description on the letters of the colonial Fawcett described this tribe as almost decimated by the time that he made his way there in 1925. It was only like 150 people, and um, he described it as a very poor tribe, very deplorable conditions because it was, at that time, it was colonized um, by the Brazilian government. But then it was kind of like heartwarming to read in the article that 75 years later, because this was around the 2000s that the article was uh, published, so 75 years later, the, the, the tribe was actually growing in numbers. They were doing better and they were educating um, their youngsters, their children about their traditions, educating them about their culture, where they came from, and the myth of being born or being humans of corn. So to me, that parallel of seeing of what I'm learning through the Imagine Wisdom Project and the videos that they have posted on their academy and and hearing similarities of how many of our indigenous cultures in uh, all of America are connected by this beautiful um, food, corn, right? So it was was interesting to see that, 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 that connection there. And then the article delves into 
basically the route that they think that Colonel Fawcett took this man um, went in with his son and his son's friend and they never heard from them again because uh, it is believed that one of the tribes that are not as friendly uh, in the area, in the region of the Amazons of the Mato Grosso actually killed them. So the whole article has different um, aspects of, of history. Like I said, going back into 1925, the writings, what happened afterwards when they found out two years later, he's not showing up, he's not sending any messages, we think he's lost. And then uh, learning that close to a hundred people or a hundred explorations were created to go and find these <laughs> English men in the Mato Grosso uh, and all of them fell. Uh, many, uh, very few came back to tell the story alive. They just disappeared. It was almost like the jungle devoured them in a sense. And so going through um, the story like I said, it was it was gratifying to hear the myth of creation based uh, center around the corn, especially today being Wakshaki bats in the sacred Chalkih calendar. It just it just did something in my brain and, and warm up my heart. And so the story goes that uh, the writer goes to the point and they say, no, the, the three men, it's told by our story that they were here in the post and they continue on their journey. And then um, the writer meets up with the help of a translator and with the help uh, of uh, a person in the area that worked with the tribes that would arrange these meetings. And the way these meetings were arranged, there had to be some sort of gift, pagamento given to the tribes because in my perspective, they no longer trusted the white men. You know, they had all these white men coming and taking from them. So in a sense, they were like, okay, we're <laughs> this is a capitalist world. We got to make uh, ends meet. So if you want to come into our territory, you have to give us some sort of financial retribution. And the author understood this as well in his article. And he describes how some of the negotiations were, you know, where they were asking him like $5,000. And he's like, I don't have that money to, to go and talk to your people. And they're like, well, figure it out because you're not coming without, you know, with some sort of gift. And so after speaking to the Baikais and being in their dwelling, seeing how they had grown in number, uh, he and his companion go uh, went to the Calapalos. And the chief, Bajuvi, at the time, uh, takes them into inside, deeper in the jungle. And his payment was to uh, was arranged to get a large truck and get some supplies. And so when everybody in the Baikaris knew that they were going in, inland into the Amazons, like everybody started piling on the truck and they make their way um, deep into the jungle. And so before the Calapalos, by the story, it was told that they were the ones that had killed uh, Colonel Fawcett. But it was later uh, revealed that it was actually set up by Orlando Villas Boas, and he was another person that helped the tribes gain some um, strength and power and sovereignty over their land and work with them to have the Brazilian government respect them. And so it was this guy that that say, hey, listen, he told the, the Calapalos, if you give me a skeleton, that the, the tallest skeleton that you can give me, then 
we we can I can give you rifles and I can give you knives and the whole point behind it was that he wanted to present the English uh, these bones and say hey yeah this is your uh, English citizen he was killed by the tribe leave us alone please uh, because they didn't want any more why uh, people coming into the land and doing breaking havoc and free, getting killed and so. Um, around that time by 1933 so the expedition started in 1925 the guy never came back with his son um so by 1933 the brazilian government said hey we need to regulate who's coming in and out of the jungle this is getting out of hand and so uh he presents these bones but even the son of the colonel was like it makes no sense this um they tested the bones and the size and the structure and they're like this is my his father was six feet tall and the skeleton was uh because of the dentures they could determine that it was a man that could only be as tall as five foot seven inches so he knew for uh for a fact that he wasn't his father and his son uh, brian Fawcett later on goes to the amazon but he doesn't go in ex exploration he actually um rents uh an airplane and tries to flood the uh, amazon with uh paper ballots asking people if they have seen his father asking them for any clues and he never um never heard any positive feedback from that so that's when he finally realized wow like there's really not a lost city in the amazon and what that meant for you know for his father and for his family so then going back to the present, the Calapalo said, yes, it wasn't us um, that killed this particular person. Uh, there are other tribes in the Amazons that are more violent and that have held hostages people, um, white people. And so they like they said but it wasn't us but we did uh, uh, see it and they actually have a story that has been passed down by generations and there's three different sources in the article that uh, confirm that these three men were seen that they spent time with the tribe the Calapalos and that they had actually uh, got up one day and say hey we have to keep going we have to keep going and even the Calapalos were not understanding this deep desire of the white men, the older white men, Colonel Fawcett, to keep going into the jungle because they said there's only like non-friendly tribes up from this point. But they 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 wished him well, they saw him leave, and um they they say that after the fourth or fifth day they no longer saw the fire above the forest. So they saw it as the fire of the white men had been put away. And they even sent uh, a search party, the Calapalo sent a search party for, for this man and his two companions, his 22-year-old and then a, a friend of his, and they never even found his camp. So they, they have a sense that maybe another tribe, the Suya, were the ones that actually uh, were part of their, their um, dismay. And so what's interesting about this story is that the writer keeps on going to the next um, tribe and explains in a vivid way how hard it is to travel in this, the space of the jungle. It describes how deforestation had changed the landscape, how the tribes had changed, how everything had, you know, after 75 plus years, everything had changed. 
But then he really put me in that position of, wow, these men from another continent would come to try to conquest uh, this area. And then the, the jungle is like, nope, you're not, you're not going to do it. So I do recommend you read the article. It was very enthralling. Like I said, it took me two hours and a half, but I was so into it. And I'm going to leave it in the show notes so you guys can find it. It's easily findable. You can just Google it. And it's there for you to read it. And so then going back to uh, the writer, he proceeds to the next step. And that is the Quiquito village. And he f- meets with the uh, chief after, of course, arranging this meeting. It's not like you just show up there. Um, and so the chief, Afukaka, resemble one of the, the meat um creation and no not, not the myth creation but he resembled like one of their their warriors because he was just so in, um big and and his presence was just so big and he actually welcomes them and offers them lunch and explains to them that they are not longer doing what his predecessors did which was held hostages for economical means and being in this space he's actually witnessed to a ritual that just happened while they were having lunch, which were this group of men that were paint that were naked but had beautiful paintings of anacondas and of fish uh, all over their body and women dancing and they were playing the flute. And one of the lines that really um, got, grabbed me from the article was that they say that they have hundreds of ceremonies and they are all rituals to connect with spirit. And if you have heard my past previous episodes, when I uh, discussed the book, The Spirit of Intimacy, that people as well in West Africa have a big connection with spirit and they have many ceremonies and many rituals to connect with spirit, to thank spirit, to ask spirit for guidance. So then again, I saw another connection to previous readings that I've done from um, original people from all over the world. And I just thought, what a beautiful way to relate to their land, to their creation, to their beliefs. And being in this city, remember the whole point of the article and of the movie and of the story was to find this lost city of sea. But it comes to a point where this, the, the writer finds an actual um, an archaeologist, a professor from the University of Florida named Michael Heckenberg. And he got spent 10 years of his life studying the terrain, studying the people. He ha- had his own um, bad stories with the jungle where once uh, his skin was falling off because of some disease or some bacteria that was eating it so he had to wash his clothes twice a day and boil it in water so he can uh, relieve himself from the pain and he had foot malaria so yeah the jungle is not a very hospitable place but nevertheless he kept on, on working and at the end of the article it is found that there in fact was a big civilization that the Kuikuro village was so close to this ancient moat. So a moat is a, is a protective hole that is created around castles and then it's filled with water and that's a protection layer. So the encampment, the center of, of the city won't be attacked as easily. Well, these moats 
were preserved, like, and he will explain on the article how the different soils show that there was a deviation on level and then how different um, details of, of the landscape were actually showing a picture of a great civilization. And so it was such an amazing read because you say, wow, this guy lost his life and he never knew that he was so close to finding this lost city that he lost his life for because he wasn't trained as an archaeologist to look for the, the, the things of the terrain, right? He was just with his uh, conquistador mind that he was going to find a big uh, stone structure building or, or, or a pyramid, but in the jungle, there's not such a thing. They're, they don't have large large stones. They actually have a lot of um, leaves, heavy leaves from trees. And so they will use those to create beautiful uh, bridges. And so they created their houses out of that. But this is organic material. And with time, it would whittle, right? It will disappear. But nevertheless, these archaeologists found the lost city in a sense that they have a structural system. They had roads that connected them in a geometrical pattern. He learned that the cities were all, all of the encampments that he came across were actually built in the direction east to west, if I'm not mistaken, and, and that all the roads were connected in a 90 degree angle, right? To that, to that level of detail, very similar to what I'm learning through the Mayan uh, tradition and how big they are on astrology and mathematics. So I just wanted to share with you uh, that um, insight that I had this weekend that just by following my human design and saying, hey, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to watch this movie, but I will read about it. I came across this journey of my own by reading this article and then doing some extra research about the tribes that were described in this article. And to me, it's just gratifying to see um, that there's still a strong presence of spirit in these tribes, that there's still a strong presence of resilience, of survival, and that they try to keep as best as they can their traditions. And I thought it was really interesting. I believe it was Calapalos uh, that they actually have a strict diet in which they won't eat red meat. They uh, survive by what they find in the rivers nearby. And it's not the Amazonian river. There's other rivers that concur in that area. But then that also made me smile because I, I remember in my own experience through mediumship sessions where I have connected with my ancestors and how they were fishermen and they're big on eating fish and so how that um, has led myself to to adjust my diet right now for for health and benefit reasons and start eating fish so I can get my physical body in a more balanced way. And I, every time I do it, I, I honor my ancestors, the, the fishermen, and I pray to the spirit of the fish, and I pray to the spirit of all the seeds and the plants and the ingredients that are put in my plate because they're the ones that are going to give me my nourishment. And so that's what I, the offering that I have for you guys today is this celebration of the human of corn that keeps popping up all around us, that the teachings and the traditions are still alive. I commend you guys if you ever find um, they have a, what it's called, the GoFundMe or different organizations that are 
supporting these tribes or even I, because I use uh, Hape medicine and that is from the Amazonians, you know, that I'm connected like that. I've tried uh, ayahuasca, which is also found in the Colombian Amazon and also in the Brazilian Amazon and Peruvian, um, what they are now known as. They're, that's not their original name, but those um geographically speaking in modern terms where you will find these medicines so to me it was very enriching to get lost in a sense in this quest to finding the lost city of sea through this article and in celebration and in preparation like i said oh wakshakikupats that's what we're celebrating today in the sacred Mayan Sholkish, and it's the birth of the human of corn and how we are called to remember our relationship with the earth, our relationship with the cosmos, because just as I also was um, watching this video in which uh, El Finado Carlos Barrios, an, an elder from the Mayan tradition, shared, he shared it beautifully, he said, we are the humans of corn, and we are a manifestation of Mother Earth. She manifested us, so we will take care of her. And so my call today is for you guys to sit down and journal whatever may, this may mean for you. We, in this sacred Shulkih, the last 20 days, were actually a gestational period in preparation for the birth of the human of corn. And now we are born. And what does that mean for us? in our current life what are you reverting to in your cycles of life i have spoken about this as well that we are no longer seeing life going by us but we're seeing these cycles and we're honoring these cycles and the call today is where are you today what are you reverting yourself to and what you expect to gather for the next nine months because that's the gestational period of a human being so with that being said, I'm so grateful for each one of you that sits down and listens to my episodes. Uh, like I said, in the beginning of the episode, I mentioned human design as a way for me to make decisions. I do offer human design readings and Apple till midnight, uh, I do have an offer of a human design, a cosmic human design reading chart along with two integration sessions and one Reiki session. So we will meet for four times during a month. Uh, and so you can also understand a little bit more about yourself because the more you discover yourself, the more you discover your energy, the more empowered you can be, the more empowered you can make decisions and make choices that will benefit you as well, just as I did with the movie. And so I am here for service. If you guys are interested, you can email me. Email is on the show notes or the Enemy Purple Inner Light on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you a grandiose beginning of this nine month journey. May you be rebirthed to the things that are for the highest good for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your uh, nation, whatever you may be. Thank you so much for listening to me and hear me out next week.
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share with your friends and family. Leave a comment. Send me any questions to the email on the show notes. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram as Purple Inner Light. Add yourself to the newsletter and become part of the Purple Inner Light family and never miss an episode.